sting and shape of my heart for Juanita and uh, Claros for George Michael and Cowboys and Angels to start the hour, quarter past eight, the full English breakfast show. No, it's not, I'm lying, it's 18 minutes past eight. Now, you'll like this, Sarah. Go on, As then. a planet-killing asteroid hurtles towards Earth in the film Don't Look Up, as scientists Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio scramble to get the world to take these threats seriously, says The Guardian today. For many, the Netflix hit was an allegory of the world's inaction on climate change. But now a pair of physicists have taken a more literal view of the question. At the heart of the drama, if a 10-kilometre-wide asteroid is six months away from impact, is it possible to avert a planet-ending catastrophe? I doubt it. Well, apparently, the answer for a purely technical perspective appears to be yes, we can. Uh, we show that humanity has crossed a technological threshold to prevent us from going the way of the dinosaurs, says Professor Philip Lubin, a uh, physics researcher at the University of California, Santa Barbara, in a paper posted this week on the Arvix database. Do you read Arvix at all? No, I don't, but no. in the film they were sending things up to destroy it, weren't they? That was the idea, was yes. to blast yes. it out of the yes. atmosphere before it hit Earth. The 15-page analysis starts by weighing up the scale of the threat posed by a 10-kilometre-wide asteroid, concluding it would have similar impact energy to the asteroid event that led to the extinction of the dinosaurs 66 million years ago. Allowing such an object to enter the Earth's atmosphere could, in an extreme scenario, result in staggering atmospheric temperature rises of 300 degrees Celsius and destroying virtually all life on Earth. And the merits of different options are being considered, with the PI pulverise it method being among those favoured. That would involve an array of penetrators being used to inject nuclear detonators that would split the asteroid into fragments that would either miss Earth entirely for larger asteroids or be small enough to burn up in the atmosphere for asteroids smaller than one kilometre across. Uh, radioactive fragments hitting the Earth would not be a major concern. Uh, the approach would pose political challenges, of course, since testing the destinations before deployment would currently be banned under the nuclear test ban. Uh, the paper also considers the option deployed in the 1999 film Armageddon, where Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck, hired by NASA to drill into an asteroid the size of Texas and detonate a nuclear bomb to break it into pieces, apparently is a less realistic scenario. Uh, such enormous asteroids do exist. Ceres, the first asteroid detected, is nearly this big, but breaking it in half would require around 10 million gigatons of TNT, equivalent to more than one million times the energy of the Earth's entire nuclear arsenal. Uh, the paper concludes on an optimistic note that averting the existential threat of a large earthbound asteroid is just the limit of our technological capabilities. Ideally, we would never be in this situation but better ready than dead, they say. Uh, but some have been less enthusiastic about the paper. Mark McCochrian, Senior Advisor for Science and Exploration at the European Space Agency, described the work as classic space bubble nerdery. <laughs> answers the technical question but completely misses the point of the film, namely that the advice of scientists is routinely ignored, he said, especially when the real disaster is happening now and in a way that's too slow and boring for people to care. Complete rhubarb. Complete rhubarb. <laughs> Some may say. <laughs> Very good, Sarah, yes. It's your first Boris Johnson quote of the day. Will it be the last? The Press Review is brought to you by BMW Côte d'Azur.
The Independent says that the British Foreign Secretary Liz Truss flew by private jet to Australia at a cost of over half a million pounds to the taxpayer, rather than using scheduled flights that would have been faster and far cheaper. Instead of travelling from London to Sydney on one of the daily Qantas departures, she flew the 22,000 miles to, from and within Australia aboard the private government Airbus A321. The ministerial code makes clear that only the Foreign Secretary could authorise such a flight. Uh, the mission to Australia and back this week burnt an estimated 150 tonnes of fuel and generated nearly 500 tonnes of CO2. In this morning's Libération, France's head of state Emmanuel Macron is due to speak with his Russian counterpart Vladimir Putin this morning to discuss the high tensions between Ukraine and Russia. According to the Elysee, the objective of the telephone exchange between Macron and Putin is de-escalation. Moscow is accused of having massed more than 100,000 soldiers on the Ukrainian border in view of a potential attack. And the Jerusalem Post says that Jerusalem was covered in a blanket of white on Thursday morning with schools cancelled after winter storm Elpis brought piles of snow to northern Israel and Jerusalem. Elpis started with heavy rain in the north and coastal areas. Snow fell throughout the day in Mount Hermon and the northern Golan Heights and gradually moved south in the afternoon in the mountains of northern and central issue, included in Safed and Jerusalem. I bet it looked like a Christmas car. The Press Review, brought to you by BMW, Nice Premium Motors, Bayern Avenue Cannes, BMW Store Monaco and JPV Fréjus. Find all the BMW business drive offers at your car dealer. Pop quiz. Question number one. Yes. On this day in 1978, which Fleetwood Mac album went to number one in the UK album chart? Well, it's not rumours, is it? Yes, it is rumours. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be rumours? Because I thought it was a trick question. I thought it was the next <laughs> one after that. I thought it was Tusk, no. but it wasn't. No. Okay. Uh, on this I thought day, this was seventy-seven. Uh, seventy-eight. Okay. On right. this day in the same year, nineteen seventy-eight, Van Halen released their first single, oh. which was a cover of which Kinks song? You really got me. Correct. And finally, Hang on, on, that was what? Are you going to argue that? Can't have been their first single, because that was on Van Halen too. Oh well, they said their first single. Mm. There you go. Uh, question number one. On this day in 2008, which female American singer atopped the list for the richest female musician, according to Forbes, in its first ever list focusing on women in the music industry? 2008? Yes. Well, I'm going to have to say Madonna. You said, said right. Oh. A hat trick to round off the week. Yeah. Riviera Radio. Business. Morning, Mr. Potts. Good morning, Roberto. Friday's amongst us best day of the week. Now, often we say that as in a little bit of jest, but in reality, it's been a, a tiresome week uh, this week. So we'll be glad to drag ourselves over the finishing line, uh, what, eight, nine hours from now. You should be ashamed of yourself. Or two hours in your case. You should from be now. totally thoroughly ashamed of yourself. <laughs> the world's Go on, in what's crisis. The what's the pitch yeah. this morning? Go on. The Rusk is about to invade Ukraine. <laughs> Uh, nobody yes. knows who's running the UK, and all you can do is come up with these tired old, like, <laughs> cliché lines that Friday's amongst us the best day of the week. It truly is, and uh, we've earned our Friday this week, and I will rejoice in the fact. Do you like rhubarb? I do like rhubarb, actually. <laughs> rhubarb crumble, for me, is the ultimate crumble. Really? Okay, I think the, uh, mm. the forced rhubarb producers in the uh, the rhubarb triangle up there in Yorkshire will be really glad that Boris Johnson's giving them a helping hand. Quite right too, quite right too. It's all about levelling up. It looks like it's going to survive the weekend, doesn't it? 
I know, your predictions have not been great so far, have they? I mean, week in, week out. Talk about tired, uh, tired cliches. Week in, week out, since the 2019 election, you've said to me, will Boris Johnson be Prime Minister at the end of the week? Well, I got it he right survives another May. one. I got it right with Theresa May, didn't I? Eventually. Yeah. But, so, well, I said, uh, uh, yeah, actually, as I said, he, I think he'll be gone by the end of the month. I wish I hadn't said it, because uh, he'll be gone within a month. Okay. okay. Which month? We don't know. Within a month. That's four calendar weeks to you. <laughs> if you say so. Right, Marcus. I said to you yesterday, why do the European markets keep rising and the Dow Jones is sort of, well, sort of is uh, gyrating wildly, really, isn't it? But it's another good day in Europe yesterday, yet the Dow Jones uh, couldn't manage to hang on to gains earlier in the session. Less tech stocks, less growth stocks in Europe perhaps means it's less vulnerable to uh, the rotation that's been playing out in global financial markets uh, since the start of this year. So that's probably part of the answer. But you're right to say it was yet another day of wild swings uh, during the course of the trading session on Wall Street. Stocks gave up a sizable gain. The dollar jumped. Gold slumps, investors price in a faster pace of policy normalisation. S&P 500 raised a rally of almost 2%. The Nasdaq sank to its lowest level since June. The Russell 2000, remember that's an index of small caps, entered bear market territory after tumbling over 20% from its peak. Reversal came despite a solid fourth quarter US GDP print. The US economy grew at 6.9% in the fourth quarter. The 5.7% growth registered in the full year 2021 was the strongest since 1984. If you look at the final quarter of last year, it was primarily driven growth by the rebuilding of inventories, which is expected to continue in coming quarters. Final sales domestic purchases were also higher. Consumer spending is increasingly focusing on services, so a rebalancing of the recovery is playing out a little bit there. However, business investment remained weak, on particularly on supply chain issues. Federal spending was a drag in terms of growth. In terms of the outlook for the US economy, Omnicron restrictions are expected to have weakened demand at the end of the quarter and into Q1. Still looking for the US economy to grow. The above trend rate somewhere around about 4% during the course of this year. Good news is stocks have been getting a boost from the recent earnings announcements, particularly from the likes of Apple and from the luxury goods group LVMH. Looking at a slightly mixed start on the European Bourse server this morning, currently calling the FTSE up 11 points. DAX over in Frankfurt down 56 points. Cat Coron in Paris up 6 points. Do you like custard with your rhubarb crumble? Uh, probably. Uh, a vanilla custard works okay, probably. Vanilla, yeah. Isn't it all vanilla what? custard? Isn't that the essence of custard? That it's kind of vanilla flavour. Okay, flavor. maybe. Maybe. It depends where the pods come, the vanilla pods come. Madagascan vanilla pods in a custard. Beautiful. Someone's mm. had a good year. Come on. Price of uh, vanilla pods is uh, escalating, isn't it? <laughs> right. Um, just uh, going back to politics slightly, but just with your, your sensible house on, um, there is a growing row between Number 10 and the Treasury over this uh, proposed hike to national insurance uh, contributions, which is due to come into force in April, isn't it? But uh, apparently Rishi Sunak's really digging his heels in, uh, but Boris Johnson and Number 10 feel it might be a way to convince some of those wayward uh, right-wing Tory MPs to support him in the leadership challenge. 
Well, I think you could argue the Treasury believes it's important to try and put the nation's back, uh, nation's finances back onto a sustainable path. Remember, a huge effort and considerable cost has, uh, was put in place during the course of the pandemic to save the UK economy. And the reality is that uh, that needs to be paid back and there needs to be changes. Alongside that, of course, there's the uh, pledge to invest in the National Health Service, which is probably suffered from underinvestment for decades and without a radical injection of funds will uh, continue to decline to the point of crisis over the course of the next few years. So that's where the Treasury's argument is coming from. But at the same time, you've got to think about the economy, I suppose, and the reality is inflation has pushed significantly higher. The cost of living has been rising quite substantially. There's question marks over the UK's growth profile. Remember, it's not just national insurance tax that's been uh, set to rise. The corporation tax is set to rise. Dividend tax is set to rise. And those tax hikes are going to put pressure, one would suspect, on UK businesses and UK consumers at a time when they need to be still supporting growth. So there's always somewhat of a balancing act. But inevitably, I I think uh, the focus will have to be on greater tax revenue generation, not only generation, not only in the UK, but around the world as a result of the pandemic, but also some of the social and health inequalities that we continue to see. Good set of numbers from Apple. Yeah, posted record quarterly sales that smashed Wall Street estimates. Sales jumped 11%, came in $124 billion in the final quarter of last year. Few signs of those supply chain issues that the company had warned about materialised in terms of impacting its performance. Demand was boosted by a range of new products, including the iPhone 13, Apple Watch 7 and updated Max. iPhone sales, of course, still the big driver for the company. Saw their sales rise 9.2% year on year. This is consumers upgraded to the 5G model. In terms of Apple shares, interesting. Normally, Apple shares tend to rise ahead of an earnings announcement, then ease back, settle back a little bit on the results. Different this time around. Shares in Apple up 5% in after-hours trading. They'd fallen 10% so far this year. Remember, they've been hurt by the broader downturn in tech stocks. And that was after gaining 34% in 2021. After topping a market value of $3 trillion in early January, Apple now worth $2.7 trillion, which is a no mean feat by anyone's standards. Foreign exchanges, please. Pound against dollar coming in at 134 this morning. Euro dollar coming in at 111.5. Going to get a whopping 1 euro 20 cents for your British pound this morning. So what are you up to this uh, weekend? Popping down to Madame Helga's uh, for a bit of S&M later. <laughs> cracking over a bo- <laughs> open a bottle of Don Pom and uh, going to the RSC club for a notch up. I worry about what you, you know, why you try to project your fantasies into my life. I really, it really has become a source of concern for me, I have to say. I've got a couple of friends over actually for a curry this Hello. evening. That's about as far as it will go. Beyond that, the taxi service for the children to various clubs will resume on Saturday morning. We better not take that clapped out old Audi with you anyway. Right, thank you. Uh, talk to you on Monday. Have a good day. Hang Potts and Barclays. On FM and DAB Plus across the Côte d'Azur, on your phone and worldwide online. This is Riviera Radio with the latest local news for the south of France. Sarah Lysa has the top stories across the Riviera. According to figures published by Public Health France, nearly 10% of the inhabitants of the Outmaritime have contracted COVID since January the 1st. 
While the peak of contamination is declining in some regions, this is not the case in the Provence-Alpes-Côte-Sur region, where the peak is still not reached and where the virus continues to circulate at great pace. And more than 116,000 people had tested positive for COVID in the first three weeks of January in the Alpes-Maritimes. In France, nearly 11 million COVID tests were carried out last week, a slight decline observed since the start of the school year in January. The threshold of 130,000 deaths related to COVID was crossed on Thursday, January the 27th, and less than two years after the beginning of the epidemic. That's according to figures from Public Health France, which has still recorded nearly 400,000 new cases in 24 hours. In Monaco, 156 new cases of COVID were identified on Thursday, bringing the total number of residents affected to 8,084. As 78 people are currently in hospital and 416 are being followed by the Home Monitoring Centre. Meanwhile, the European Medicines Agency announced on Thursday that it has approved the anti-COVID pill from the manufacturer of Pfizer, marketed under the name Paxlovid, and which is to become the first oral antiviral treatment against the disease authorised in the European Union. From the 2nd of February in France, teleworking will no longer be an obligation and will become a recommendation. Speaking to French media on Thursday morning, Employment Minister Elizabeth Bourne confirmed the easing of the restriction previously announced by Prime Minister Jean Castex. A teleworking will remain a recommendation but will no longer be an obligation. It will be accompanied by the easing of other measures, uh, such as the wearing of masks, which will no longer be mandatory outdoors from this date, and the limitations on the number of people in places open to the public. And Italy will ease anti-Covid restrictions for travellers from European Union countries from February. A proof of vaccination, recent recovery or a negative test will be required, but there will be no longer the need uh, to quarantine. In other news this Friday morning, France's Minister of National Education is to meet with trade union organisations today to address the issue of the baccalaureate, which is scheduled from March the 14th to the 16th. Unions are requesting that the minister makes a decision as soon as possible on the postponement due to the pandemic, which has affected students and their attendance. Three men are to appear in court as part of an investigation for drug trafficking in the seaside resort of joan les After searching the homes of the three individuals, police discovered three kilos of cannabis resin, one and a half kilos of cannabis herb, 100 grams of cocaine and nearly €10,000 in cash. The police in charge of the investigation said the searches led to the dismantling of a local drug trafficking point. And police have identified and arrested an individual suspected of carrying out sexual assaults near the Law University of Nice. Identified through his DNA, the suspect was arrested on Wednesday, but has since left police custody and has been admitted to a psychiatric hospital. A 51-year-old woman from Toulon who was wrongly suspected of carrying out a burglary is still waiting for her money to be returned. The woman saw her home searched and €80,000 seized by investigators. Exonerated from any wrongdoing, the woman, who was able to attest, attest the legal origin of the large sum of money, which was kept in a shoebox, has still not seen it returned. 
Those who rent seasonal accommodation in Nice have expressed their exasperation with new regulations from the City Council declaring a judicial war with the Town Hall. Uh, the city has indeed increased the number of controls being carried out on furnished rentals for tourist accommodation, with more than a 1,000 being carried out last year. The city has greatly tightened the rules applicable to the sector, which has recently exploded in the region due to the appearance of platforms such as Airbnb. The Town Hall of Plan de la Tour in the VAR has announced that the experiment in using cameras to catch people who dump waste illegally in the area has given positive results. Elected officials had introduced the system nine months ago and say the cameras have given encouraging results in the fight against illegal rubbish dumping. Finally, market-goers in Saint-Tropez and the Var have been treated to a spectacular scene as a couple of peacocks descended from the citadel, where they've taken up residency, on Thursday morning, causing a sensation in the streets of Saint-Tropez, much to the delight of passers-by. Riviera Radio, Sports News. Make a lot of uh, mess, peacocks. Do they? It was they very pretty. Poop all over the place. <laughs> Remember going to non-such... non-such court park non such park when i was a kid and they had peacocks there and the whole area was kind of white you know anyway tennis the women's final at the australian open will be between ash barcy and daniel collins the world number one and home favorite beat madison keys of the united states to become the first australian player to reach the final in melbourne for 42 years uh, Collins of the USA beat Ika Sviatek 6-4-6-1 to reach her first ever Grand Slam final less than a year after undergoing surgery. It's men's semi-finals day today. Rafa Nadal is two sets to one up against uh, Matteo Berrettini and it looks like he's going to go through to the final. He's serving for the match now at 5-3 in the fourth sets. Football, there's one game in the English Championship tonight. Huddersfield Town plays Stoke City. Here's more football news from BBC Sports. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. Hello, I'm Andy Barwell at the BBC Sports Centre. The former Chelsea boss Frank Lampard remains in contention for the Everton manager's job. Owner Fahid Mashiri has held off appointing the previously favoured Vitor Pereira after a toxic reaction from Everton fans to his proposed appointment. He's still in contention, but Lampard, who's already held talks, is now the leading candidate and further discussions are expected. BBC football reporter Mike Perkins has more. Frank Lampard finished fourth and reached the FA Cup final in his one full season at Chelsea, but was sacked in January 2021. He now appears to be the choice who would at least unite an increasingly disgruntled Everton fan base. Fahad Mashiri is yet to make a final decision, though, with Vitor Pereira still in contention, along with caretaker manager Duncan Ferguson. Aston Villa assigned defender Callum Chambers from Arsenal on a three-and-a-half-year contract. The 27-year-old, who has only made five appearances for the Gunners this season, was out of contract in the summer and joins on a free transfer. Newcastle United's offer of more than $53 million for defender Diego Carlos has fallen short of the Spanish club Sevilla's asking price, given the limited time that they have to find replacements. Barcelona have opened talks with Wolves over a deal to re-sign Spain winger Adama Traore. The Catalan club want an initial loan deal with an obligation to buy at the end of the season. And Manchester United winger Ahmad Diallo is to join the Scottish champions Rangers on a loan deal. The 19-year-old Ivory Coast winger heads to the SPL a year after arriving at Old Trafford in a $25 million move from the Italian side Atalanta. Diallo has only made nine appearances for United since his switch from Serie A.
For more football news on the BBC, go to bbc.com slash football. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. Lampard to Chelsea, to uh, Everton? Maybe. Mm. Mm. It's a big job. Certainly is. You know, he won't have all the money that he had at his disposal. I'm sure he'll have enough. I get paid far too much. No, not him personally, but to to buy players. I'm sure he's probably got enough already. (laughs) At least he's keeping uh, it blue anyway, if he does go there. Cricket, the England captain Owen Morgan will miss the final two T20 internationals against West Indies because of a thigh injury. Morgan missed the third game after feeling some pain in the warm-up and tests show that he's picked up a right thigh muscle injury. West Indies lead the match, uh, the five-match series 2-1. Formula One, the sports governing body, is planning a new race management structure in a bid to avoid any repeats of the fiasco at last year's Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. The FIA has been seeking the team's views on the matter amid widespread acceptance that the race director Michael Massey failed to follow the rules correctly during a late safety car period in the title decider, which was won by um, Max Verstappen. The Abu Dhabi inquiry is still ongoing and no firm conclusions have been reached. And in Rugby Union, there's one game in the Gallagher Premiership in England tonight. Bath play Harlequins, while in the United Ch- uh, Rugby Championship, Dragons play Benetton and Ulster play Scarlets. Uh, 15 all in uh, the... Uh, well, hang on, two match points to Nadal. Uh, so we'll come back to that, but it looks like Nadal is going to go through to the final of the Australian Open. Here's the marine weather forecast for coastal areas up to 20 miles offshore the Al Maritim and Lavar. The general situation, high pressure 1,035 to 1,040 millibars over France. Uh, winds are variable, force 2 to 4. The sea is slight, visibility is good. Barometric pressure at saint jean cap 1,028 millibars. And the outlook for Saturday, clear skies, force 2 to 4, variable winds, slight seas and good visibility. For North Corsica, winds are variable, force 2 to 4, the sea is slight, visibility is good, barometric pressure at Cap Course, 1,029 millibars. And the outlook for Saturday, clear skies, force 2 to 4, variable winds, slight seas and good visibility. Riviera Radio, weather. Mainly fine once again, light variable winds, temperatures 13 to 15 degrees this afternoon, overnight lows 4 to 7 degrees on the coast, minus 2 degrees inland with clear skies the weekend, clear skies with highs of 13 to 16 degrees, almost sunbathing weather. Very nice. Lovely. Women born in 1990 in the UK have become the first generation in which less than half of them have had a baby before the age of 30. The data from the Office of National Statistics is a stark contrast to 1941, when 82% had become mums in their teens or 20s. Experts say better contraception, education and jobs for women mean they now wait longer before having a family. A third of women born in 1920 were still not mothers at 30, but the figure fell for those born in the hard-living 1930s who started families at younger ages. The report said, however, that having two children is still the most common choice. Right. Thank you. So you're Mrs. Average, you are, are you? <laughs> yeah. You're uh, calling me average? No, well, yeah. <laughs> just in statistical terms, you know. Above average and everything else. Go to the top of the class and have a gold star. Uh, Nadal is into the final of the Australian Open. Four sets, he's beaten Matteo Berrettini, 6-3-6-2-3-6-6-3. So he will play the winner of the second semi-final, which is on court a little later, uh, between Daniel Medvedev and Stefanos Sipsitas. (laughs) 